for being here. Guys, we continue the series on being in the wilderness. Uh, we've been working on this since the first of the year, and uh, I have wondered who we could get to come up and speak about a wilderness time, and I'm not sure that I could have found anybody better than Dr. Mike Stoddard, who might be with us this morning, uh, who you may recall was in a plane accident several months ago, and uh, Tony Thorpe was asking Phil last week if he was still in the hospital. <laughs> Dr. Mike, would you make your way up here and, and uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on with you and give us an update, please. <laughs> That'll make you cry. There we go. There we go. Guys, uh, thank you. Um, I am a breathing, walking proof that God is still in the miracle business. I don't know yeah. if you can pull that back up or not, but but God God is still in the miracle business. Um, yeah, it was a dark time. We're coming up on the uh, almost one-year anniversary, March 12th, last year. Uh, my wife and I were taking our grandson, who at that time was, uh, th yeah, three and a half, uh, back up to St. Louis to his parents. And we were in our little single engine uh, Piper Lance that I'd been flying for 20 years. And um, we uh, had been a your routine flight, and we were um, getting close to St. Louis. It checked in with St. Louis Approach, and they had descended us. Uh, we were about probably 10 minutes away from the airport we were going to be landing at. And all of a sudden, I hear this horrific noise and the engine quit. Uh, windshield's covered with oil, can't see anything. And I knew my first thought is I'm, I'm about to die and everybody I love is going to die with me. And um, um, uh, Training kicked in, and, and um, again, I won't say it was me. It was God. We were trying. I was trying to line up on a little straight country road and, and uh, make a forced landing on the road. But right at the last second, our right wingtip clipped a tree, and we flipped upside down, and, and, um, and that was it. Um, I woke up. Um, I was up, obviously, in the pilot seat, and I woke up upside down, pinned with the roof of the plane pushing down on my head or pushing up on my head, I should say. <laughs> but, you know, I woke up, um, you know, I was totally helpless. Uh, couldn't do anything. And if y'all know me, I've always had issues with trust and yeah, I trust God. I believe in God. I trust God, but I got this. We're, we're good. But that was the situation that, changed all that because I had no control um, and just by God's mercy um, we're here nobody died um, grandson was unhurt uh, wife had some injuries but she's gotten over those and so we are both um, back in Fairhope um, working um, doing life and uh, certainly have a different perspective on what that means and how precious life is. But yeah, I woke uh, when I came to um, in that plane. I no longer had an issue with trust with in God because God is good, and if if you believe that, you can trust Him, and that's that's really all it is. Thank you, Mike. You can tell that permeates through you. I was close enough to see your hand shaking while you were holding the microphone. What an experience. Thank God you are here. Thank you. Guys, let me open this with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for Ceasefire and we thank you for Phil. We thank you for the breakfast that was provided and the men that work so hard to make this event occur every week. Lord, we thank you for Phil's preparation and for what he's about to share for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Morning, gentlemen and ladies. We have ladies in the house this morning. So be careful. Be careful what you say. Be careful how you act. Act like men. Welcome, ladies. I have a song for you this morning. Um, 
that I hope will open your heart to what we're doing um, in our series, um, Into the Wilderness. Um, looking at the dark times, the hard times of our life, and uh, as I've said to you, I'm kind of putting together the song list, and we'll offer it to you when we uh, um, complete it. But um, just thinking of um, how important music is um, in, in our life in general, and certainly during hard times. The song that I want to offer you this morning is by Third Day, uh, Cry Out to Jesus. And um, just to highlight just a little bit of the, of the song, to everyone who's lost someone they love long before it was their time, you feel like the days you had were not enough when you said goodbye. And to all the people with burdens and pains keeping you back from your life, you believe that there's nothing and there is no one who can make it right. There's hope for the helpless, rest for the weary, love for the broken heart. There is grace and forgiveness, mercy and healing. He'll meet you wherever you are. Cry out to Jesus, cry out to Jesus. And the song goes on to touch on marriage issues, addiction issues, loneliness issues, being a widow or a widower, all areas um, of difficulty swallowed up in the love of Jesus. Listen to the song and may you hear the voice of God. Tonight, 
Be on the alert, stand firm in your faith, act like men, be strong. The words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. We continue our journey into the wilderness, understanding and embracing the dark times of your life. Follow with me as we read our introductory paragraph there on your notes. Words translated as wilderness occur nearly 300 times in the Bible. Wilderness seasons are brutal, but God is powerfully at work in the wilderness seasons of our lives. The only question is, do we have eyes to see it? In order for God to give us the choice whether or not to trust Him, He must present us with moment of crisis, airplane crashes, and beyond. And since He wants us to seek help from Him, He brings us through the wilderness to remove all other help first. When you're in a wilderness season, it's easy to lose sight of God's protection, provision, and preparation. We might even wonder, how can I trust God's goodness when I'm in this desolate place? But remember Jesus. He went through the ultimate wilderness, the desolation and humiliation of dying under the curse of God. If that is the measure of God's love and commitment to us, then we can trust Him in our own wilderness seasons. Let's journey together. Wilderness, the experience. Feel it. The experience. It's a whole lot different to talk about swimming and to go swimming, is it not? We can talk about swimming all day but you'd never know the temperature of the water. You would never know the buoyancy of the water. I often tell the story um, at our men's coaching weekends of learning how to swim. Um, my mother dropped me off at the city pool in Elizabethton, Tennessee uh, in a, um, on a, a, the uh, summer morning for a whole week. And I don't know, you know, the pool opened at 11 o'clock or something, municipal pool. And the swimming lessons must have been about uh, 8 or 9 o'clock. It felt like they were like 3 in the morning is what it felt like. And uh, I remember starting those swimming uh, lessons, and we, you know, jumped in the water at 3 feet deep, and I was scared to death, shivering, and I didn't know how to swim. And um, um, they took us down to the uh, L-shaped part of the pool, Remember those municipal pools? You know, it's a big rectangle, and then it goes uh, uh, an L, and that's where the diving tower is. And I'll never forget, very clearly remember, that they took us down there on Monday morning, and they had us stand on the edge of the pool, and they, and they asked us, what does it say, what is written on the side of the pool? And I can still see that as clearly as, as if I'm looking at it right now, one six. 16. And I'm thinking, I'm going to die. 
I'm going to die in 16 feet of water on Friday. Because they said on Friday, you'll be swimming down here. So we went back to the three feet. And I caught my breath. And, you know, they started uh, having us stick our head in the water, getting used to the water, experiencing the water, you know, holding our breath, kicking, dog paddling. And I still remember when I swam across that pool underwater without raising my head for the first time. I did it. And all along, I was dreading Friday because I was headed to my 16-foot grave on Friday. It, Friday occurred, and I asked Mama if I could stay home that day. And Mama said, no, you just got one more day of swimming class. Uh, I got to the pool. They took us down to the 16-foot L-shaped diving area. And I will never forget jumping in to 16 feet of water. Oh, my goodness. You know what I learned? It is easier to swim in 16 feet of water than it is three. I mean, I jumped in. It's like I didn't even have, have to move. It was like the buoyancy of the water held me up. And guys, walking with God is intended to be like swimming in 16 feet of water. But you'll never know that if you don't jump in. Or sometimes get pushed in. And isn't that kind of what the wilderness experience is like? We get pushed in. Mike Stoddard, my dear, dear brother that I love, did not ask to have a plane crash 10 minutes outside of St. Louis. If he had, an angel would have killed him. But he didn't get a vote. And that's kind of the way the wilderness works. But it is the experience of the wilderness that changes us. It's not the knowledge. I mean, I could show you places on the map um, all over this country and all over the world that we would call, man, that's a wilderness. But until you go there, until you jump in the water, you'll never know. Now, I want you to turn over to Exodus chapter 15. The wilderness experience. And as we begin this morning, this is, this is kind of what we're looking at. Wilderness experience. And, and we experience the wilderness in all kinds of ways. All kinds of ways. We experience it. And in this room this morning, there's all kinds of wilderness experiences that would be represented. And what we're looking at this morning is when you're in the wilderness, we're invited to listen. And then we're invited to cry or to weep. <coughs> and we're invited in much the same way that the song declared to cling to Jesus. That's what we're looking at. Now, before we look at the passage in Exodus, let me ask you to answer three questions uh, with me, just to engage. So pick up your pen, and I want you to answer these questions deliberately. First question, what benefit has the wilderness experiences that you've had been to you? How have you benefited from the wilderness, hard times, dark times. How have you benefited? One of the things that actually scares me about God, that I respect God for, is He's not afraid to use pain, suffering, hard times to grow me. I can't like it. That's what Abigail used to say when she was four. I can't like it, Daddy. I can't like it. What's the benefit? Mike Stoddard just stood up here and told us he's a better man today than he was 
on March the 12th, 2019. He didn't tell you that his family is, uh, all, they're all going to Nashville. I hope that's not a secret, Mike, because it just, it just became a non-secret. Uh, his family's all going to Nashville, and they're going to celebrate life. Um, celebrate life after what happened last year. Be a fun celebration because of the wilderness experience that they've been through. What's the benefit? Second question that I invite you to respond to is how was weeping and crying modeled for you as you were growing up? And the reason I ask that question is because you're not going to get through wilderness experience without tears. If, if you have some sort of crazy grandpa, daddy model of big boys don't cry, uh, you're going to be in a heap of heap of burning trouble. It's what we call that. It's like you better find your tears or you're going to be so emotionally constipated, you're going to explode. Now, how's that for a picture? You know, it's like tears are required to get through wilderness. And then the final question, who's in the wilderness right now that you know? You know people that are going through hard times, and you may be one of those. You may be going through the hardest time of your life right now. Who's going through? I want you to turn to your neighbor, and um, I want you to tell the story of uh, who's going through wilderness that you know. And if it's you, be honest about that. Make a friend, take a couple of minutes, turn to your partner, and share. All right, let's uh, continue. You got just a little bit of a taste uh, that people are going through hard times. Everybody's going through hard times. And um, if you didn't get to share and you're paired with a narcissist, I have no control over that. So, sorry. You know, you know we try to make it a two-way street, but sometimes it's just one way. Wilderness, the wilderness experience. You know, yesterday was Ash Wednesday, and uh, it marks, you know, the first day of the 40 days before Easter. That's what Ash Wednesday marks, the day of um, contrition, repentance, reflection. And God has always used these 40 days, 40 years, 40, as a way to get our attention. It's an experience. And as I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago, you know, when God led the Egyptian or the um, Israelites out of Egypt, if, if they would have come out of Egypt in the northern part of Egypt um, where they crossed the Red Sea and just gone northeast along the, the Mediterranean, it would have been a beautiful walk. But they would have had to defeat the Philistines. And the Philistines were warriors, and they would have kicked their butt. It would have been like a junior high football team playing Alabama. That would not have worked out too good. And so rather than... God taking them up the Mediterranean, which would only have been an 11-day journey, He takes them into the wilderness, and they go south, southeast, and they wander in that desolate area for 40 years, 11 days <clears throat> or 40 years. How long does it take God to get your attention? You know? It took God, uh, my dear friend Mike Stoddard, it took God about 90 seconds, because that's what Mike had when, it, when, the, when the windshield went dark, you had 90 seconds, right, Mike? That was 90 seconds of a 40-year wilderness. Incredible. And it wasn't like Mike was this rebellious guy. Mike's been a part of our men's community and deer camp and all that for 10-plus years. 
But God wanted to do something special, and Mike started. And I mean, Mike, I mean, Mike's a good-looking guy, but dude, I'm telling you, the Shekinah glory of God is all over my brother, Mike, because of 90 seconds in a can. That's basically what it was, a can. Exodus chapter 15 God's got the Israelites in the wilderness, and, and this is what happens. This is so hilarious. This is, this is funny unless you're there, and it ain't funny if you're in it. Moses led Israel. This is verse 22. Moses led Israel from the Red Sea on to the wilderness of Shur. They travel for three days through the wilderness without finding any water. Guys, I've been on a trip with uh, three girls in the car. And three hours is a long time when they don't have any water. My, my girls uh, are big water drinkers. And if they don't have water in the car, then it's like they're dying. And these Israelites didn't have water for three days. They got tomorrow, um, not tomorrow, but Mara, but they couldn't drink the water at Mara. It was bitter. And then it's like, can you imagine? Like, really, Moses? Moses, you let us hear? That's why they call the place Mara, which means bitter. And the people complained to Moses. So what are we supposed to drink? So Moses cried out to God. And I can only imagine that prayer. God, these guys are going to kill me. Help. And God pointed him to a stick of wood. And Moses threw it into the water. And the water turned sweet. That's the place where God set up rules and procedures. That's where he started testing them. Now, I would underline that. If you're an underliner, highlighter, asterisk marker, that's the place, that's the place where God set up his guidelines. Where, where is that place for you? Mike Stoddard <laughs> is upside down in a plane, and that was the place. That was the place. Set up rules and procedures for the rest of Mike's life. That's where he started testing them. And God said, if you listen, 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 listen obediently to how God tells you to live in His presence, obeying His commandments and keeping all His laws, then I won't strike you with all the diseases that I inflicted on the Egyptians. I am God, your healer. And they came to Elam where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. Now that's what I'm talking about, Moses. Now we're here. And they set up camp there by the water. What was God doing? He could have just led them to those uh, springs and those palm trees right out of the bat. But God wanted something more than just giving them a drink of water. See, when God leads us into the wilderness, it's purposeful. It's meaningful. Does it hurt? Absolutely it hurts, and, and we would never want to minimize anybody's pain. We don't do that. It hurts. It's real. We don't, we don't sprinkle a little Jesus dust on it and like, well, you know, just don't worry about it. God will take care of it. No. You cry. You hurt. Sometimes you just even have to fuss and cuss out loud. It's hard. Scripture's all uh, uh, fill with that. Wrestle with God like Jacob did. God, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. It's like God is not concerned about your uh, way of expressing yourself. He can handle it all. He's like a good daddy. He can handle that. But you have got to get real. This hurts. Because there's three things that God wants to do through those wilderness experiences. First of all, He wants to just get us alone. Solitude. 
solitude. I've heard Mike's story. Um, and in that time when he was moving in and out of consciousness, and he woke up. Mike had an experience of just peace and tranquility, a true time of devotion, if you will, Mike, as, you, as I've heard you tell the story. It was a time of solitude, real connection to God. And yeah, it hurts, but it's like what God's wanting you to do and me to do is just be still and know who God is, is what Scripture said. Be still and know that I'm God. So sometimes He'll take you through the wilderness just to get you quiet. Will you just shut up and listen? Just shut up. Solitude. And then He'll actually use the wilderness to challenge us. Challenge. Fear and depression is often the beginning of transformation. Elijah wanted to die. Israel grumbled and complained. They even asked if they could just go back and be slaves again. Really? You want to just go back? No. I'm going to challenge you to trust me through this. And there is fruit on that tree. To whom much is given, much is required. If you want more, then I want you to trust me through the hard times. There's been times in my own life that I wasn't ready for the responsibility that God gave me. And he took it away and put me in a wilderness experience. I'm in a season in my life that I've got a lot to learn. I'm nowhere near where I want to be, where I need to be. But I'm in a place where I trust God in a way that I didn't 20 years ago. I, I, my trust muscle has gotten stronger. Still got a long way to go. But it's through the hard times that those muscles are developed. He's challenged me. And then, and then, and then thirdly is this idea of preparation. What, what is God preparing me for? I've heard uh, on several occasions in the last year as I've sat with my brother Mike that Mike keep, keep ask, keeps asking God, God, why did you spare me? What are you preparing me for? And as I've said to Mike, one thing that, he, that, he's, that he's doing is blessing us by your presence. That's, that's, as far as I'm concerned, that's all Mike Stoddard needs to know, that he is a blessing by just being here. But I know that Mike, because he's anchored in the Lord in a way that he wasn't, even this time last year, this time last year, that Mike keeps asking God, what are you preparing me for? I want you to turn over to Jonah chapter 2. Everybody uh, knows the story of Jonah. Um, Jonah was asked to go to Nineveh and uh, preach to a group of people that Jonah didn't care a whole lot about. You know, it'd be like asking uh, a bunch of guys from Oxford to go to Starkville and preach to the Starkville crew. Or vice versa. You know, those guys in Starkville, we want you to go to Oxford and preach to those guys in Oxford. Um, either way, that would be a tough assignment. Heck with them. I ain't going over there. And um, so Jonah kind of bowed up, and uh, he just takes off. And he knows that God is uh, bringing um, accountability to him. And uh, he tells all the guys on the boat just to throw him overboard. And a big fish swallows him. And Jonah is in the wilderness, in the belly of a fish. And this is Jonah's prayer. Now listen to this. This is Jonah's prayer, context, belly of fish. <coughs> and then Jonah prayed to his God from the belly of the fish. He prayed, in trouble, deep trouble, I prayed to God. And he answered me. From the belly of the grave, I cried, help! <clears throat> and you heard my cry. 
You threw me into ocean's depths, into a watery grave with ocean waves, ocean breakers crashing over me. I said, I've been thrown away, thrown out, out of your sight. I'll never again lay eyes on your holy temple. Ocean gripped me by the throat. The ancient abyss grabbed me and held tight. My head was all tangled in seaweed at the bottom of the sea where the mountains take root. I was as far down as a body can go, and the gates were slamming shut behind me forever. Yet, you pulled me up from that grave, alive. Oh God, my God. Beautiful words. Oh God, my God. When my life was slipping away, I remembered God. I remembered God. Not all my toys, not all the places that I've gone. I remembered God. And my prayer got through to you, made it all the way to your holy temple. Those who worship hollow gods, God frauds, walk away from their only true love. But I'm worshiping you, God, calling out in thanksgiving, and I'll do what I promised I'd do. Salvation belongs to God. And then God spoke to the fish, and it vomited up Jonah on the seashore. Wow. That is an amazing prayer. From the belly of the whale, in the middle of the wilderness. I love my brother, Mike McCool. Mike's the chairman of our, uh, of the, of our board, BPO International, Worldwide Ministry of BPO. And um, Mike is our uh, chairman, and um, um, Mike is the executive pastor at Liberty Baptist Church uh, and has had a long career of uh, building the kingdom of God. And uh, God has taken Mike through an amazing journey. I've known Mike for 20 years or more, and um, I love my brother, and um I love how he has faced the wilderness and what he's even facing right now. I've asked Mike to come and share with us. Wow, there's a lot of you here. Um, I was telling my guys, I generally do the announcements at my church. And so when they're at the early part of the service, there's like nobody there. And then at the end of the service, I turn around and there's like a room full. So anyway, uh, my life verse has been Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And I want to say sometimes what path has been that has stunk. But that's the path that God has wanted me to walk. Um, couple of things here kind of before I really get into my story, um, because in that uh, there's two passages, one in Psalms 139 that says, your eyes saw my unformed body all the days ordained for me were written in your book before they came to be. So this idea that if God has me on a path, he knew what that path was going to be before I was ever born. Now, in December, I turned 70. And so in Psalms 90, 10, it says our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. So I'm on, I'm on borrowed time. And so yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow for they quickly pass and we fly away. So this idea of um, that we are on this path that God has laid out for us and it's got hills and valleys. And uh, as we walk the path that God has put there before us, and so uh, this part of my journey uh, started back in April, and uh, I went for my annual physical, and my doctor tells me he doesn't like my, where my PSA is, so he wants to refer me to a urologist, and so he does that. And so early part of May, I go, and he says, we're going to do a biopsy on you, and so we did. Wonderful experience. And uh, some of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, 
So the Thursday afternoon that I am to go to get the results of my biopsy, uh, I'm, I'm seated over here where I've been seated since we've been in this room, third row, second seat in. And normally I don't do a devotional reading uh, on Thursday morning. I'll let Phil do that for me. Uh, but on this particular morning, as I was sitting there, because I get there, get here really early, I want to make sure I get the strawberries out of the fruit uh, before anybody, before they're all gone. And, uh, but the Lord just kind of spoke to me. He says, turn to your next passage. And so my systematic reading plan uh, is a, a chapter of Psalms, chapter of Proverbs, and then I alternate between an Old Testament verse and a New Testament verse. And so, and it's amazing, uh, the days that I miss or whatever, and I come back, it's, it's always exactly what I need for that particular day. And so um, Psalms 91 was my next reading uh, for that day. And uh, so God had me turn to that, and I turned to it uh, the Thursday before I get my results. And he says, you sit down in God's high presence, and you spend the night in Shaddai's shadow. Say this, God, you're my refuge. I trust in you, and I'm safe. He rescues from hidden traps. He shields you from deadly hazards. His huge outstretched arms protect you. Under them, you're perfectly safe. And he, he arms, his arms fend off all harm. Fear nothing, not the wild wolves in the night, not the flying arrows in the day, and not disease that prowls through the darkness. Yet because God, you're my refuge, the high God, you are my, you're my own home, Evil can't get close to you. Harm can't get through the door. And he ordered his angels to guard you wherever you go. If you'll hold on to me for dear life, says God, I'll get you out of any trouble. I'll give you the best of care. If, only, if you'll only get to know and trust me, call me and I'll answer. Be at your side in bad times and I'll rescue you then throw you a party. So I went that afternoon. God just gave me a whole piece about what I was fixing to experience. And so I went that afternoon and he said, well, there's a spot right in the center of your prostate. And um, he said, but you've got some precancerous cells. So he said, the next thing I would like to do is I would like to do an MRI, but we have to wait three months for you to heal from the biopsy before we can do that. So I go, we schedule it late September and I go and um, the night before, I have a little book, several little books beside my, my bed that I read uh, alternating uh, each night before I turn out the light. And this is a book by Robert Morgan called Always Near. It's about the presence of God. And he, in this particular night, he, uh, his key verse was uh, Isaiah 41.10. And it says, Fear not, do not be dismayed. I am your God. And I will strengthen you and I will hold you in my strong, righteous right hand. So I go to the next day to the uh, get my MRI results. And he said, uh, you've got another lesion and it's out toward the edge. And he said, uh, we need to make a decision about what kind of treatment that you want to have. So we decided he, he laid out all the different options out there. And I decided to go with uh, radiation and uh, take the hormone shots and, and do the radiation. So we scheduled it to start after the first year because he's like, you don't want to do this through the holidays, do you? And I was like, no, I really don't do it at all, but we'll, I don't, definitely don't want to do it through the holidays. And uh, in this whole process, God has given me um, scripture and people and this study and then we started at the first of the year uh, at our men's group at our church going through Robert Morgan's Red Sea Rules. And there are 10, 10 rules, that lessons that he gets from the Israelites being stuck at the Red Sea with the Egyptians bearing down. Uh, if you haven't read that little book, it's tiny. Uh, it's an excellent little book. Um, so I go and, and we schedule this to start uh, after the first of the year. And God, he, um, but he says, I get, I get a call that it's been postponed. 
and uh, it's to start the second uh, second week of uh, January. And he said he's going back to India to visit his dad, so we're going to postpone it. So uh, we reschedule. I go back and I get a second uh, PSA prior to starting the procedure. And I go in the day that I'm expecting us to start the shots and start the radiation process. But he walks in and he says, your PSA has jumped from an 8 to 11. He said, I'm recommending that we do surgery. I wasn't really prepared for that. That, that was what, wasn't what I was expecting. But um, uh, I, I was like, well, God's in control of this. And if he thinks this is a better plan than what we had already talked about, then I guess we'll go ahead and do that. Uh, so, so Monday, um, uh, I have surgery. Uh, go in at eight on Monday morning. And, uh, but in this deal, uh, as I said, God just has put the right people in my path, uh, to help me to deal with this because the day, the Wednesday night that I shared that with our men's group, uh, there was one of our guys there who he, he said, I've been through this. He says, you're going to be okay. And I was like, thank you. And, um, but he's he's has just retired. He's an anesthesiologist, and he's just retired. And so he and his wife had been gone for two weeks, but they were back Sunday. And so he asked me, he says, have you started your procedures? And I was like, no, we're not doing the procedures. We're doing surgery. And he goes, well, that's what I've had. And I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, look, he said, it's not going to be as bad as you think it is. And it's not going to be as painful. He says, you're going to do okay. You're going to get through this. And, uh, we're trusting the Lord that we're going to get all of it and you won't have to worry about anything. So early on, the, the urologist had told me, he said, look, you're 70 years old. You could live a 20, 20 more years. And I was like, okay. And so I shared that with my children and they were like, dad, do you really want to live to be 90? And I was like, well, I don't know. Uh, in, in this, you know, okay, let me wrap up then. Uh, in this, uh, I asked the question, you know, Phil talked last week about why, why do we go through this? What is God trying to teach us uh, in this? And um, he's talked about um, character, building character. Uh, in our study, uh, two things. One, rule number one says we need to realize that God has put us exactly where we are. And we talk a lot in our church about being where you are, where your God has placed you, where you live, work, and play in order to be his light there. But also in circumstance, God has put you in your circumstance. Because the rule number two is, uh, how, can I, how can God be glorified through what I'm going through rather than am I more concerned about my own relief? So the question is, in this, how is God going to be glorified through whatever it is that you're experiencing? Because... The path that he has put you on is not about you. It's about him. It's about his story through you of what you are experiencing. And I can just say from my personal experience, my friend Tom sitting over here, he reminded me of a familiar passage last week uh, of Philippians uh, 4, verse 6. And it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And <clears throat> situations we've had in our family over the years, uh, very quick, two, two children with cystic fibrosis, uh, a child that was in a terrible automobile accident in which she was charged with manslaughter, spent four years in jail. Uh, both my CF children had lung transplants. My daughter lived a year after hers. God gave her a one year, just a tremendous life. Uh, my second, my son this month uh, celebrates three years of tra his transplant. God gave him a wonderful family after that. Um, so God is good. If you, if you wait on him and trust in him, whatever it is you're experiencing, and you believe he, that he's going to get the glory from it, uh, you'll reap the rewards also. So I hope this has been an encouragement to someone this morning. Um, my journey's still going. And if you think about me next week, I hope you'll say a little prayer, mm -hmm. uh, particularly Monday morning. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Mike.
guys never underestimate what another guy's going through. What Mike has gone through and his whole family is just an amazing journey. And Mike has uh, walked with God and deepened his affection and his trust muscle with God. Final two thoughts. Jeff, you can flash those final two slides up there. If you're going to get through the wilderness, you're going to have to cry. God will take us through experiences to invite our tears. And yet so many of us of men have been raised by fathers and grandfathers uh, that taught us big boys don't cry. Gentlemen, that is a lie. That is a lie. And I want to say it stronger, but there's ladies in the room. Um, crying your way through the wilderness experience is the path that God invites us into. I've seen it with hundreds of men crying um, in the community uh, with other men to support them. And then the final thought is this. When we go through the wilderness, you know who's with us? Jesus. Jesus, always carrying us, guiding us, protecting us. I am with you. But God, I want you to take me, get me out of this. No, I'm not going to get you out of it, but I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Never alone. You've got to experience it to understand it. Reading about it theoretically won't get you where God wants you to be. Feel your way through it. The healing is in the feeling. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for our time this morning. We love you. Thanks for your guidance, even in the wilderness, especially in the wilderness. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.